Hello and welcome. My name is Tom. This is the Enthusiasm Project, Season Three, Episode Thirteen. Can you believe it? And today, I have tried so hard to figure out this topic in a way that's going to make sense, but I am having a hard time, like condensing it into a cohesive thing. And so I'm prefacing this by just letting you know this might sort of feel all over the place, but it's a topic that I have a lot of thoughts about and that I feel very passionately about. But I also feel slightly conflicted about, and I also feel uh, that sometimes I give conflicting information about, and then I feel conflicted because I give conflicting information. And well, yeah, that's that's kind of basically where we're at. But it's sort of I wanted to just address. A trend that I have noticed, and a thing that I have seen in the you know the online content creator world, for lack of a better term, and something that I have just been personally on the receiving end of via messages, you know, emails, comments, that kind of stuff. And I think it's just something. It kind of ties into a past episode we did in season two, but it it's it just has to do with money. <laughs> everybody's favorite topic and basically what i what really bothers me something that really really worries me and bothers me is when i see people limiting themselves and putting limits on themselves and sometimes like life has limits right so if you're you know the, the based on your so many different variables your location your age your financial situation your health, all these different things can impose limits on your life, what you do, what you're able to do, how reality affects, you know, the dreams and the goals that you have for yourself. And some things just sort of can't be changed. But one of the most exciting things to me about like digital media and online content creation is specifically how empowering it is. And that's that's probably the best word that I can use to think about it because starting you know starting my YouTube channel before anybody was watching before I knew what I was doing before there, there were comments or anything like that just the making of the video and actually putting it out there was this feeling of empowerment that was not really like anything I had ever experienced before and I didn't really need anyone to be on the other side of that that was just from going through that process on my own and then as time went on as the years rolled by and people started signing up for that and people were excited about it and appreciative of it you know that was very that was very validating and is very validating and also very empowering and that's kind of the beauty of the internet and the beauty of digital media and all these platforms, whether you're doing a YouTube channel or a podcast or like a website or, or anything, you're so not limited in the ways that you used to be because everything has become so democratized. You know, back way back when, if you wanted to be in the film industry and you wanted to make movies and work with that stuff, you had to move to Los Angeles and you had to live in Hollywood and, and do that kind of stuff. And if you're somebody who's living in a country on the other side of the world, well, that seems like a huge barrier. But now, if you want to make something, if you want to put yourself out there, it's you need an internet connection and some kind of device to let you capture stuff and, and edit it together. And I think that that is, I mean, that's like a miracle. It's nothing short of magic, honestly. However, this is where I feel like people limit themselves because on the one hand... I see people constantly, you know, waiting until just one more thing before they get started. And I've told this story before. I tried to find the actual thread because it's from like a year ago, but I, I just couldn't find it. But it was in a Facebook group that I'm a part of for, you know, a lot of people who have like YouTube channels and stuff. There was a guy who made a post that was talking about, you know, I want to get started. I can't wait to get started. I just need, you know, I don't have a good place to film right now. I, I don't have a good place to do audio. And I just sent a reply that was kind of like, well, you know, you said you had this kind of equipment. If you do this with it, it it'll definitely work pretty well. And he was like, well, 
you know, my house is really loud. I don't have a good spot to to film that's really quiet. And I was like, okay, um, you know, when you're just starting out, you kind of have to do work, work around other people's schedules. And he had said like, you know, the only time I could film is sort of late in the evening and, and that's about it. And I was like, it's not ideal that you have to film at that time, but at least you can. If you want to get it done, you can block out those two hours, a couple of days a week, get your stuff done. And he's like, well, you know, my video, my channel's about outdoor stuff, and I feel weird if I'm just filming at night and it doesn't sound good, I'm inside. And I was like, oh, well, that's perfect, because if you're filming outdoor stuff and sound is your problem, go film outside, like different locations you don't need to make a set you don't need to have a room you don't need to worry about people being loud you can just go outside go on a trail go on a hike go to a park and it doesn't even matter if there's background noise because people will expect it and you're outside and you can just totally film there and then he was just doing another complaint of like well i don't have the right microphone i i really need a lavalier microphone i just have a camera thing and it was just i don't remember how the exact thread went but it was like four or five of these types of exchanges where it felt like every problem he brought up had a very obvious and simple solution. But every time I brought up that solution, he would bring up a reason why it wouldn't work and why he couldn't do that. And I eventually just stopped replying because what I realized was it doesn't matter. You know, I could give you, I could say, hey, I'm going to cover all of your living expenses for a year. I'm going to put you up in a fully equipped studio for that year and all you have to do is make whatever you want to make, I'm sure there would have been some other excuse. And well, I I can only create after I've had this very specific breakfast and that cereal was discontinued. Like there's just always going to be some other reason. And that to me is always very frustrating when people put those limits. And it's just out of fear. It's out of self-consciousness. It's out of um, insecurity, you know, fear of the unknown, getting out of your comfort zone. That stuff makes you feel that way. And that's, I fully understand it. It's not an invalid feeling to have, but it's not as hard as you think to push through that and to just get going and to get started, just jump in using whatever you have. It doesn't have to be perfect. You can upgrade and improve and fix things as time goes on because you don't even know what your needs are really going to be. At first, you can look at what people are using online and, you know, fill up your shopping cart and your credit card or whatever but that's not necessarily what you're going to need to do what you need to do so just starting with what you have is great and then you will figure out what you need as time goes on it's like when i got my very first dslr it was the rebel xti in 2007 and it came with the 18 to 55 kit lens which is sort of a very basic camera lens not an amazing lens but good enough and i didn't know anything about lenses And I really appreciated that kit lens because it helped me learn more. What I noticed was I was constantly having to back up to take photos. I was like zooming out as far as I go and then having to back up more and more and more. And that taught me the next lens I wanted to buy, I should get a wide lens, even wider than 18 millimeters, especially on a crop sensor camera. It's not as wide as it would normally be. And that that just helped me figure things out. But I wouldn't have known that. Jumping in, I wouldn't know. I need a 10 to 20 millimeter lens. Like, no idea. Or even, I need a full frame sensor versus a crop sensor. Didn't know there was a difference. I just thought there was this camera and that camera. So you just need to jump in before your needs will become apparent. And then what you need to do to address that also becomes apparent. And that's why I'm a huge fan of, you know, just jump in and get started in my the most viewed video on my YouTube channel right now and for a while has been my Rodecaster Pro review that I did like a year and a half ago when the Rodecaster first came out. And I ended that video specifically by saying, you know, this thing is great, but don't wait until you have this to start your podcast. Like I started mine just using an old audio recorder that I'd had for years for my my camera and using the microphone that I had for my camera, not anything that was podcast specific, just what I had. I put it together, used that to create a podcast, edited it in GarageBand, uh, which also the way edited, wait, edited it. Sorry, there was a thing I figured out. If you say edited it, it's spelled edit, edit, like edited, E-D-I-T-E-D, it, I-T. So it's E-D-I-T-E-D-I-T, edited it. It's very 
hard thing to say. Anyway, that's irrelevant, but it's interesting, kind of. <laughs> but the point is, you know, just using free software, using the equipment I had, got started. Then when something like the Roadcaster showed up, it was going to solve a lot of pain points for me. And I felt that making that financial investment in that piece of equipment was absolutely worth it. Fortunately, something I couldn't have predicted was, hey, I'm also going to make a video about this. That video alone in the year and a half it's been up has paid for the Roadcaster just through the ad revenue that it's generated. So that's amazing. Plus then the other videos I've made, like 15 videos with the Roadcaster, they, you know, it's, it's sort of like self-funding, which is not why I'm making the videos, but it's pretty cool. It's a cool side effect I couldn't have predicted. And when I make Roadcaster videos, it's not that I'm telling people you need to make, you need to buy this Roadcaster. If I make a video about the EOS R, it's not you need to buy this camera. It's sort of saying like, this is a tool that I have that I really like and that I feel empowers me to do the stuff that I want to do. Here's a bunch of different things about it. Here's a bunch of different ways you can use it. Here's a bunch of different ways you can combine these tools and put them together. And, you know, that's just something that I get very excited about, very enthusiastic about, you might say. Now, there is something that's happened recently, which has, I've, I've always felt conflicted about that because so many of my videos are about products because I love gear and I love talking about gear, but the videos aren't about selling the products. It's not a new thing. You know, here's the best microphone and then next week, here's the absolute best microphone, the other microphone killer, like whatever, you know, clickbait stuff. It's just sort of like, here's something I use that I'm excited about. Here's everything about it just because I get sort of obsessive over things and want to know more about them and learn more about them and use them in different ways. That's kind of it, but it's not to sell the products specifically. But I do recognize that people use those videos when they're thinking about getting something and when they're trying to figure out what they need to get. And so oftentimes they can be the tipping point to having someone you know, purchase something, which is why I would put Amazon affiliate links in my descriptions, not because I'm trying to get someone to buy all that stuff, but it's a very normal question. Oh, where did you get that microphone? Where did you get this thing? And it's like, here is a link. If I'm sending you to Amazon and it's zero extra dollars for me to also get a commission because I have just helped sell a product. Well, yeah, I'm going to take that commission. I don't, I don't have an issue with that. It's not like against my ethics statement or anything of the sort. But sometimes you can find people on the internet who have a differing opinion, believe it or not. And oftentimes, if you do the kind of stuff that I do, you can find yourself being accused of, you know, you say you're not sponsored, but you're really sponsored. And you're just trying to get us to click the affiliate links and blah, 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 which is just not true. And the stuff is just really kind of annoying. But there's a couple other comments and feedbacks and messages that I've been getting, it seems like a lot more of lately. And it's sort of a couple different things. One of them is it's very common to get a message or an email that's like, hey, I really love the look of your videos. They're amazing, blah, blah, you know, wonderful compliments. Uh, I would love to upgrade my setup. Uh, I'm looking for input on what camera I need. My budget is $400. And historically what I have done because it's in my nature to just want to be helpful to people. So what I have done is try to figure out, okay, $400 is not really enough, but I guess you could, let's see, you could get a used Canon Rebel and then you could get like a, you know, a used 50 millimeter lens and that's going to give you shallow depth of field. You're going to have to learn a lot about manual focus and really nail your focus before you start filming, but you can still get some decent results. It's not really going to be enough for a microphone, but I guess you could probably use your phone like as a microphone to get started. When really, like, the person's not going to do all that, probably. And the results are going to get, aren't going to be as good. And the, the true answer, it's almost a disservice of me to tell them that because they're going to end up spending their $400 on something that's not actually going to give them the results they need. What I should say is, for 400 bucks, just use your phone. Just save your $400 until it's $1,500 or $2,000 because then you're going to get what you need. If, if you like the way my videos look, I film on a full-frame camera that has really good autofocus and I use a wide-angle prime lens with a really wide aperture. 
you don't have to use the exact same stuff that I use, but it's going to be hard to get the look that I have without using that stuff. You can use a prime lens, but if it's not a wide prime lens with a wide aperture, it's not going to look the same. And unfortunately, a wide lens with a wide aperture tends to be more expensive. You can use any camera in the world, but I use a full frame camera, which has a very specific look to it. I use a camera that has good autofocus, so that way when I'm filming with that very shallow depth of field and that heavy background blur, I can stay in focus and I'm not, if I lean a little forward or a little backward, I don't dip out of focus and the camera follows me really well, that's really important. But you have to make that investment. And I I know, I recognize a $1,700 camera is not cheap. And I grew up wishing wishing so hard that I could get a $4,000 3CCD 8mm camera, like something like the Canon, I think it was the XL1 was like the dream camera, but it was like literally I'll never be able to get this. It's way too expensive and too insane and, and whatever. And now for $1,700 you can get the EOS R, which is infinitely better in every way. And $1,700 is still expensive, but wow. It's also not that crazy. It's not that out of reach. And... It's, it's worth saving up for. It's better than what you're going to get for the $400. It's noticeably better. And I also get another type of message or comment, which is typically it's about the roadcaster. This is the thing that really brings it out is people will say, wow, that looks so cool. I love it. But $600 is way too expensive, which first of all, if you take all the things that it does and try to combine them separately, it's going to cost more than $600. Plus, you're going to have the inconvenience of now you have like three or four separate devices, this super clunky workflow, all these different things have to be plugged in and connected and like, what a nightmare. I have set that up several times as part of my job over the years, which is why when this one device shows up that does all of that stuff, I feel like that is so worth 600 bucks. I wish it were cheaper too. That'd be great, but it's not. And it's absolutely worth the price. But you know, you do have to actually pay that price. And what I'll get is a lot of messages where people say like, I love the Rodecaster, it's really cool, but it's too expensive. What can I use that's going to do the same thing for $200? And sure, I can recommend audio recorders that will record for 200 bucks. I can recommend like a mixer for $200 that you're going to have to connect to a computer or an audio recorder. But there is no actual alternative to the roadcaster for $200. And the reason that annoys me so much is because if there were a $200 alternative that does everything just as well, why wouldn't I have bought that? Why would I have spent the $600? Like I'm not trying to just throw money away. I don't get these things for free. I would get the $200 thing and I would make a million videos about like, oh my God, look what you can do for $200. But that's the same thing I'm doing with the $600 thing. I know $600 is more than $200. I do have an English degree, but I know that. But but the $600 thing I still feel like is such a, a huge value for what you get. And you got to spend the $600 to get it. There's just no way around that. And the reason I'm bringing this all up today is because last month I released a video um, all about the like setup that I use for teaching my online Zoom classes while we're doing online school. Basically, I've taken all these things that you've like seen on my channel, my MacBook Pro, my ATEM Mini Switcher, my EOS R for my camera, my Rodecaster Pro, and I combined them all together to create a setup for teaching classes on Zoom where everything looks really good sounds really good and it's super versatile because you can switch camera angles and stuff like that. It's really fun. It's super, it was really neat to take all these tools and combine them in a way that's a little different than normal. I thought that would be helpful because a lot of people are using Zoom. It's also a setup that works very well for live streaming or if you're doing like a video podcast or anything like that. And then I basically recreated that same setup in my classroom because I teach from campus two days a week, even though there's no kids on campus yet. I, there's just certain work I have to do that I can only do at school. So I go there a couple days a week and I have basically the same setup. And the reason for that is because 
I'm the one who built the digital media pathways. So the equipment that I order is the equipment that I like, which is like we have EOSRs in the roadcaster. It's like all the same stuff. Um, so if you watch that video, basically everything that's at school, like when I show you what I'm doing at school, pretty much all of that is paid for by the school. And then when I show you the home setup, that's all my stuff. But that video is that video has been doing really well and has been getting so much positive feedback. So I'm not like in any way complain. It's been wildly positive. But there's also just been this undercurrent of like, I don't know, 10% maybe of the feedback has been not just negative, but a really specific type of negative that has been frustrating to me, not just to get the comments because I don't really care, but to just know that people are limiting themselves in this way and viewing things this way. And the comments are typically something along the lines of, got it, I just need to spend $10,000 and then I can have a good Zoom meeting. Oh, you just need to like spend all your money and then you can have this cool setup. Most teachers can't afford to do a setup like this, blah, 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 blah. It's like those kinds of comments like, oh, you just spend an insane amount of money and then you'll have this setup, which is not the point of that video at all. At no point in the video do I say you need to buy any of this stuff. It's basically framed as, hey, you know all that stuff that I talk about on my channel? Here's a way that I'm using it in my day job. Check it out. It's kind of neat. Maybe it'll be interesting for you to see as well. And that's how most people have taken it. I know that most teachers don't have those things. I am a digital media teacher. I feel like maybe my online classes should promote or showcase digital media in a way that maybe an English or a math class just isn't going to do. But I think I think that this idea of people being upset that a setup I'm talking about costs a significant amount of money is tied to a larger issue and a larger trend that I have been noticing, which is limiting people in terms of how they're creating online or if they want to create online. And that really has me worried. And that is ultimately like the the main topic that I wanted to point out today. Now, I started this show today by talking about sort of the, you know, the amazing empowering abilities of digital media and all of these tools, right? And a big part of that was to say, if you want to start something, if you want to do something, just get started with what you have, do the best you can with what you got, and then, you know, upgrade as your needs become apparent. If you're somebody who has been following the like online creator space for any length of time, whether it's YouTube, podcasting, whatever, but I really especially YouTube, there is this, this thing that has constantly been said, which is, you know, story is king, equipment doesn't matter, don't pay attention to gear, story is king. And I think that the people who are saying that have good intentions. And obviously what they're talking about is just because you have an amazing camera doesn't mean you're going to make an amazing video. You know, just I remember as a kid starting to play guitar just because I got or wanted to get the same guitar as like somebody that I admired didn't mean I'd have their skills at playing the guitar. And so a lot of people say that and then a lot of people feel empowered by that because they're like, oh, I don't need this crazy expensive setup. I can work with what I have and I can do something great. I think that's really important. But part of it also kind of reminds me of several years ago, Jim Carrey had a quote where he was, he said something along the lines of, I wish everybody could be rich and famous so they would see that it's not the answer. And, you know, essentially meaning it money and, and that stuff is not going to be the key to making you intrinsically happy. If you're somebody who is not prone to being content, to being happy, to, to feeling that way, just because you now have a bunch of money doesn't mean you're suddenly going to start feeling that way. But that is also coming from someone who's been a multimillionaire many times over for decades at this point. And it's not genuine to pretend that money won't solve a lot of problems and that money can't buy happiness, can't buy personal fulfillment and that kind of happiness, but it can absolutely buy you, you know, some time. It can buy you options. It can relieve stress. It can do all of those things which can lead towards 
at least like the potential, the space for happiness within your life. But, you know, obviously, if you're a miserable person now, if you get a million dollars or whatever, you're probably still going to be a miserable person. There's certain things that just don't change. The reason I bring that up is because a lot of times the people who say the gear doesn't matter and story is king are also the people who are using some of the most expensive gear like you've ever seen, stuff that hardly anyone could ever afford. And sure, on the one hand, hey, this person who is using this expensive piece of gear they would know if it makes a difference or not. And they're telling me that it doesn't. I can just use my phone or or whatever kind of low-end thing I have. And that's important, you know, to get people over that initial leap to start creating their thing. And I think that that's very well-intentioned. And I think that that's very important. I think the story part of it kind of gets like overused a little bit, especially on YouTube. Like, look, when I'm talking about the ATEM mini video switcher, It's not really a story there. There's a purpose behind that video. The purpose is I want you to know this thing. I guess the story would be you've had this problem, this pain point, and look, there's a tool that's going to help alleviate that. Sure, I guess that's kind of a story, but, you know, not really. But there's a purpose behind that video of sharing information, helping people understand some of the options they have, some of the stuff that they can do that they couldn't have done before definitely a purpose and i think that you know you could say maybe purpose is king more than story is king because not everything is trying to be like a narrative film or or anything like that but having a purpose behind what you're creating is very very important it doesn't matter if the visuals are amazing because you use this incredible camera if if it's pointless and it's useless like then it it doesn't really matter i also know that when people say gear doesn't matter sometimes they can be bogged down by some of the high end gear that they're using Somebody who uses like a crazy cinema series camera or like a red camera or something, they might be delivering results that look incredible. But to get that, just using and like fiddling with that gear is going to take a lot of time. Processing that footage, working with that footage, rendering out that footage, it's a whole process. And if somebody's really used to that and now they pick up their phone and shoot something that looks pretty decent, that's going to feel like, oh my gosh, you know... (laughs) Why shouldn't everyone just be using their phones? I have a friend who I've talked about before on this podcast, like my best friend growing up is a director of photography and has, you know, graduate degrees in cinematography from super elite schools. He's part of the union. He's worked for years in the industry. He's incredibly like you've probably seen stuff that he's either filmed or been the director of photography for. And lately over the pandemic period and the quarantine period, he has really taken to just filming short videos with his iPhone 8, which is you know not the newest, fanciest iPhone or the best camera or anything. But he's like having a blast doing it. He makes like these little black and white vignettes that are sort of like, they're sort of like dryly comedic in a way. And they're just all filmed on his iPhone, you know, just around wherever. And literally like if he wants an overhead shot, he just tapes the phone to the ceiling <laughs> and then gets an overhead shot. Very different than all of this rigging and all this equipment. And that is somebody who has been using like Panavision cameras, Alexa cameras, RED cameras, like all the high-end stuff that the industry actually uses for years and years and years and is now just having a blast filming stuff with his phone. But part of that is because of the quick turnaround. There's no processing time. Like as soon as you film it, toss it on the computer, super easy to edit the footage, easy to work with it, put something out there, upload it to YouTube. People enjoy it. Very, very simple. And I think that 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 crazy easy workflow is the thing that is so appealing. And like I said a moment ago, just empowering people to use the tools that they have to make that leap to start creating their thing, I think is hugely important. But the the part where it becomes a problem and where I've been seeing this in the video that I mentioned a minute ago about my A10 Mini is I almost feel, especially with, this is going to sound like old man yells at cloud, but especially with younger creators and younger people, maybe in their teens and 20s, that it's almost created a sense of entitlement in some people in that they expect to be able to get the same results and the same quality. They're entitled to that without having to invest anything extra because they have heard for so many years from so many people that they admire that your gear doesn't matter. And now when you tell them 
yeah, you got to spend 1700 bucks on a good camera. You got to spend $600 on this mixer if you want that result. They almost get like offended by it, like that it's just this completely unreasonable thing and you are you you're living in some weird world where you can afford $600 mixers and stuff and there's this weird animosity that that I've seen come out in messages and comments and stuff that I've gotten. And I think that is very destructive and I think that it's a direct result of the, you know, story is king, gear doesn't matter movement. And it's also, there's, there's just so much nuance and context there. If you're a 14-year-old kid, you know, buying a, a $1,700 camera is just going to feel like, it might as well just go to the moon. Like, it's equally as possible. If you're in your, you know, if you're over 18, let's put it that way, it shouldn't be that ridiculous. I know that financial situations are different for lots of people but like i also remember growing up in a situation where there wasn't any money i remember saving up for like a year to get something that cost one or two hundred dollars i remember scraping up change from the ground i remember going around doing yard work around the neighborhood for you know a few dollars here and there just to try to raise money and save it up i remember taking birthday money or holiday money and just hanging onto it into the summer because that you know that was what i needed to try to save up for i remember even have this really sounds like old man yelling at clouds now but i remember uh, in like may of a year a band i liked was going to have a cd coming out in september and i remember specifically thinking i need to earn twenty dollars and i need to set twenty dollars aside so i can buy that cd as soon as it comes out because i want it and i want to hear it and that's $20, you know, now, obviously, like as an adult with a job and stuff, I don't sweat over $20 too much, but I definitely understand coming from a place where, you know, it's not practical to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on camera equipment. Also, all of the gear that I have, it's not something that I bought at once and was delivered in this giant shipment or anything. It's stuff that was accumulated over many, many years, 10, 15, 20 years. In some cases, some of this stuff has been sitting around. So it's, it, it, it's a process that takes a lot of time. Even at my school, I teach at a public high school in a very poor area, but I teach a career technical education program, a CTE program, and in the state of California, there has been a lot of value placed on CTE programs because they're like hands-on vocational training. It's great for kids if they're going to college. It's great for kids if they're not going to college too, and if you teach a CTE course, which I wrote all of my courses, got them CTE approved, which is this huge nightmarish process. And then if you have a CTE credential, I originally taught English, had an English credential, went back to school, got a CTE credential. Then you have that credential and you have those courses, you sort of unlock the most amount of funding you can get for for your classes. It's not unlimited by any means, but it's the whole point of CTE stuff is giving students hands-on experience with, you know, relevant and industry standard equipment. And so that means buying a lot of cameras, buying a lot of lights, buying a lot of gear so they can get the practice using it and build up the skill set with it. And, you know, then when this video comes out and people are like, it must be nice to work at like some super fancy school. My school can never do that. I'm like, dude, my, I'm in like one of the poorest areas in the state this is not it's not fancy private like hoity-toity school by any means but at the same time what I've also seen is my students who are not for the most part socioeconomically advantaged I've seen them multiple times over the years that I've been teaching this somehow figure out how to buy their own $2,000 cameras, how to buy their own MacBooks, how to do that stuff. And it's funny because this is, I like using the classroom as an example because it's like a microcosm of the world that you find on YouTube, which is I have these students, they're in the exact same class, they're in the exact same community, they have access to the exact same resources, but the experiences and the outcomes can be so different. Like, I have had many students who get interested in filming and editing and that stuff, but they don't have their own cameras. They don't have their own computers. And they just sort of feel like that's a barrier. Like their parents aren't going to get it for them. They don't have a job. It just sort of seems unattainable. And I've had other students who are sort of in that same situation, 
But what they'll do is they'll start checking out equipment from the program and taking it home every weekend and every just constantly having stuff checked out, learning how to use it. And then they start taking on little like paid jobs, you know, doing a, a wedding here, photos and videos and that kind of thing and doing a little promotional thing for like a, a business or their Instagram, like, hey, there's a local business. They just want a quick little montage thing for Instagram. Cool. They'll pay $50 for it. People want their senior portraits taken. People, you know, there's a birthday party. There's whatever. They just sort of start taking on these jobs. And after four or five months, they've used, they've checked out equipment, used it to then earn enough of their own income that they can then invest in their own personal equipment. And even that sometimes is a barrier because sometimes they'll say, I have the money, you know, I like just I'm thinking specifically of this past year, I had a student who wanted an EOS R, worked for like five months to save up the money to get one. And then when it was time, he was like, I have the money and it's right here, but my parents don't have a credit card. And so I can't order the camera online. And he was asking if I could help with that. And so I talked with the parents because I'm not going to do this, you know, without parent permission or anything, but talked with the parents and just, it was like, okay, it's fine. He can give me the money and then I can place the order with my credit card and then he gets the camera. And the the look, like the 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 feeling of when that camera was delivered and I was like, here you go, your camera came, here's the box. And like just him sitting down and opening it and like, taking it out and just staring at it and just sitting there and holding it and staring at it. This thing that seemed so unattainable, but just through perseverance and hard work became attainable. Like I I could just, that was, I mean, that's a, that's one of those defining moments. I know it's like, you're just buying an object, but the fact that you're able to do that is at that age, you know, 16, 17 years old, that's something that I have then since seen that experience have such a positive impact on that same student who's then used that camera to now, you know, do more work and do his own, his own thing. And I've had other students, that's the most recent one, but I've had students do that same basic thing many times over the years. And my, the reason I say that is if they can figure it out, are you telling me that if your passion, your driving thing is that you want to create a podcast And one of the things that's going to help you to do the thing that you have in mind the most is this $600 mixer, but that's it. It's, well, that's impossible to get $600. Then I don't think that's actually a thing that you really want to do that much. I don't think you're that committed to it. I think you like the idea of it, but I don't think you're that committed to it because if you wanted to make it happen, it is relatively attainable. If you want to do a YouTube channel, if you love my videos and you love the way that they look, and I tell you, hey, this is the camera and the lens and everything that I'm using. And you just immediately shoot it down as, oh, I, that's totally unattainable, out of the question, no matter what. I mean, then were you ever going to, like, what were you actually ever going to do? It's not necessarily something that you can get right now. And I'm not saying, like, go into debt and overload your credit card. But I, for anyone over 18... If there's something that's, you know, one or $2,000 in the world that you think is going to be a very valuable tool that you need to invest in, I feel like saving up for six months to a year should allow you to purchase that thing. Otherwise, I mean, how are you even functioning in life? Like, how are you paying bills? How are you paying rent? You don't need to be in the top 1% to be able to afford that stuff. You just need to plan ahead. Um, You know, the same thing goes like my phone is sitting right here. I'm using this as an example because I, I don't like buying phones on payment plans. It's just, I don't, it's just annoying. I don't like that. I just like buying the, like the unlocked phone that's not tied to a carrier and then just paying the full price for it. But I don't upgrade my phone very often. Usually like three years, probably on average, basically when the phone starts, like the battery doesn't last anymore or something goes wrong with it. And I usually know about a year in advance, like, hmm, next year I'm probably going to need a new phone. And then I just keep that in mind. Okay, new phone usually costs between $800 and $1,000. Over the next year, I should work to make sure that I have $800 to $1,000 over here so that when the new phones come out in the fall, I can then upgrade and get a new one. 
it's very that's such an easy goal to accomplish when you give yourself that much time and that much planning. If you're just trying to do everything all at once randomly, it's it's definitely going to feel, you know, it's definitely going to feel not attainable. And I have a feeling, you know, this is sort of one of those things where like if you're listening to this podcast and you've made it 40 minutes in, I don't think you're the person that I'm talking about when I say, I think you're probably somebody who knows how to achieve goals that you set out for yourself. I think you're somebody who knows that, how to take that leap and and overcome that barrier. But I I think that all of us sometimes should be more open and honest about like, yeah, sometimes you got to spend the money. Like you really do just have to spend the money to get to where you want to go. And it's, it sounds very nice and empowering and whatever you want to call it to say, no, man, you don't need any of this good stuff. You can just use whatever you have and it's going to be great because you got a lot of heart and that kind of stuff. And that can be true to some extent. But if you really want, <laughs> if you really want those results, you actually do need to spend the money. And, and just like the earlier example of, you know, getting the cheapest used camera when someone asks, hey, I love the way your videos look. I want to get videos that look like that. My budget is $400. I can spend all this time trying to piece things together that are going to try and like replicate that result for them, but it's never going to get there. And in the end, I am going to do that person a disservice because they're going to spend that $400 that they budgeted for and they're going to end up with something that's probably just going to be frustrating. You know, I used guitars as an example a minute ago. I remember when I first got into guitar, again, as a teenager, I think I was 15, didn't have, didn't have money to go spend on guitars. And so saved up as much as I could, which is about $100. And the thing is, especially in 2001, you know, the guitar you could get for $100 was not a great guitar which I didn't expect it to be. But it's not just that it wasn't like the coolest guitar or the fanciest or anything, but it's it's actually like it doesn't sound great and it's not easy to play. And, you know, you can get great guitars for a hundred bucks, especially nowadays, but back then it was a little, it was sort of like what's available, here's this. Okay, it's, you know, it's not going to be a great experience that's not going to be super encouraging then to sit there every day and practice and learn and get better and better and better. Whereas if you spent a little more money, got something that with my very first paycheck from my first paying job, I bought a Fender Standard Telecaster, which was $350 and my paycheck was like $357 or something. So I just... The whole paycheck went straight to that guitar, which I still have that guitar sitting right over there. It's over 18 years old now. But I remember when I got that guitar and, you know, took it out of the package and it got delivered, it was an entirely different level of like, oh my gosh, this looks beautiful. This feels different. This sounds different. This plays entirely differently. Like I can easily dedicate hours a day to to enjoying this thing as opposed to, you know, the busted up like pawn shop guitar that was just a nightmare to use and the action was set wrong and the sound was terrible and the cabling was bad. And I, you know, as a kid, I have no idea how to fix any of that stuff. So that person who spends 400 bucks just to get a camera, that's going to solve their immediate problem of like, cool, I got my camera. I'm going to do something. They're going to use it a little bit. They're going to see that they're not getting the results they wanted. They're going to see that it's really hard to get any kind of decent results. And then they're just probably going to give up and the camera's just going to sit there and not get used. Whereas they could then save figure out budget, get the the better thing, the higher end thing, invest $1,000, invest $2,000 in a camera and lens setup. Way bigger investment. It's going to take a lot more work to get to that point. But then they're going to end up with something where they're blown away by the results that they're getting. And they're it's going to make it easier to achieve the thing that they set out to do. And they're not going to, they are going to spend more money, but they're not going to waste that money. And, you know, I am speaking in broad terms because when it comes to equipment and gear, when you're just starting out, sometimes you just have no idea what it is that you actually need. And it does make sense to just kind of get the cheapest thing, get your feet wet, figure out what works. But I'm speaking more specifically for the people who like 
in my case, they say that they want the same results that I have, but they're only willing to spend, you know, a fraction of the price. And they're not willing to acknowledge that like, well, maybe you do need to spend some of that money. And maybe you do need to spend some of that time too, building it up. And this all, this first came into my head. I talked about this in the episode last season, but it was in a comment on one of Peter Lindgren's videos about lighting on his channel. He did this video about lights. He was telling you how to do lighting techniques, but he was using like these three really nice lights that are pretty pricey. And it's like, oh, that's really cool. Like, okay, you can learn some of the techniques, but you really see like the quality of those lights, the brightness of them, the way that it's diffused. Like you just sort of see what you get. And there was a comment that was somebody saying like, this looks amazing. I love this. Like, what can I do to get this result with, you know, $200? And <laughs> sorry, that's my uh, reminder going off right there. It's not a clown car driving in. But um, what he said, I remember seeing that because as soon as I read that comment, I started thinking like, okay, 200 bucks you could get. And Peter just wrote back a simple reply that was like, just save up and buy the good lights. And I was like, that's, he's now not spending a bunch of his time trying to put together a shopping list that's not actually going to be helpful. This person's not getting false hope over, yeah, you're going to get these same results by not using any of the same stuff. And I think that is the most honest thing to go, okay, that's that's just kind of what it is. Sometimes there are times when the cheap thing doesn't matter. And I think, it, I think too, a lot of the times when people say gear doesn't matter, it might be like, Someone like me, maybe, who's using something like the Canon EOS R as my camera, which is a great camera, 1700 bucks. Not the best camera in the world, but gosh, for me, it's the best camera. If I upgrade to a $3,000 camera or $4,000 camera, I'm going to notice a difference. Like the quality is going to be better, but it's not going to be anywhere near the quality jump I would see from going t- from like a four or $500 camera to the $1,700 EOS R. It would be much more subtle, much more nuanced, the the differences. And so I think that's when you kind of live in that world where you're working with good stuff and different levels of good things, I think you can more easily start to feel like, well, the gear doesn't really matter because it's all kind of the same, like whatever. I'm using this one, but you could just use the cheap version. But there is sometimes such a huge difference between at like the low end, the low high end, <laughs> you know, the, the least expensive of the good thing versus just the, the least expensive thing. That difference is just so massive. And ultimately, you know, being financially responsible <laughs> when it comes to this stuff is very, very important. So I want to double emphasize not draining bank accounts, not going into to debt, not just stealing and looting something off of the shelf. But investing in your creative endeavor, even if it's not a money-making endeavor, you know, most people, when you start a channel, when you start a podcast, when you start creating something, you're not making money, you're not generating revenue, you don't know if you ever will, but you you have something that you want to make, you have a passion for it, you have something you want to share, and it's worth investing in that, even if you're not going to see a monetary return on that investment and if you can take the time and save up and get the stuff that you need it will make a very big difference down the line and sometimes it doesn't matter if all you want to do is share some video and you don't care what it looks like you just want it to be clear maybe then using a phone is great like phones can shoot clear beautiful video if you need to get very specific things like i want to get this shallow depth of field shot and film this with then you know what, you are going to need to invest in a different tool, but it's worth putting in the effort to do that because now you're going to be, you know, servicing that story. If the story is really king, then doesn't it deserve to be, you know, presented in the way that you actually intend and the way that you imagine? And just understanding that reality of, you know what, there's no way around this, I need to spend the money is a very important thing. It might mean you have to wait longer. It might mean you need to rebudget some stuff around. But I think understanding that and approaching things that way is much better than just this idea of, no, you don't need any of that. Gear doesn't matter. And then building this sense of entitlement where 
everything should be able to look amazing even if you're not investing anything into it because that's actually not helping anyone. So if you are if you're a, an online content creator of any kind, don't be afraid to just let people know that there aren't shortcuts to do the things that you are doing. If there were a shortcut, wouldn't you have taken it? You know, like if if somebody wants the results that you have, they're probably going to have to put in a similar investment to what you have done. And that is, it's not wrong just to let them know that. I'm telling you this just as much as I'm telling myself this because I still have that impulse when somebody says, hey, I want that roadcaster, but I only have 200 bucks. And then I sit there and start going on B&H and going on Amazon and trying to piece together parts. And then I'm like, what am I, what am I even doing right now? Like, I don't have time to be doing this and this isn't even going to be a solution. But you just, you do want to help someone who's excited about creating something. But the best way you can help them is to be honest with them and give them the information that's going to end up helping them to create the best work and be encouraged to continue creating that as time goes on. So I know we kind of went all over the place today and I've been having these thoughts for like several weeks and I've been trying to formulate it into a cohesive story and this was the most pared down like edited version of that that I could put together where it, it, I hope the thing that I'm saying makes sense and it doesn't just sound like old man yelling at clouds. Um, But I would, of course, as always, love to know your thoughts on this. Maybe there's a piece of the puzzle I'm totally missing. Maybe you have thoughts on, you know, investing in gear for your creative endeavor. I would love to hear from you if you want to leave a voice message at anchor.fm slash enthusiasm. And as always, you can reach out to me uh, at SodarnTom on all the things. I always, always appreciate you spending your time with me. And I will see you next week.